Well, good morning, church. It is good to, to be with you all today. I am uh, Nate Johnson, the Director of Worship and, and Youth Ministry and occasional drummer. Uh, but I'm just glad that I get to bring the word today. And um, I have appreciated how Scott has, has teed me up well to do this final act today. But we can look over the last couple of weeks, and this Advent season, we're flying our imaginary drone, that wonderful little device, and it's going over the manger scene where Jesus was born, and it's going high up into the cosmos, into the universe, and we're looking back down. We're looking back down through time. From that cosmic vantage point, we can see the entire biblical drama unfold from beginning to end. If we remember back a couple of weeks ago, the first week of Advent, we talked about Act 1, creation. The world was created with fine-tuned precision. It was perfect. Man and woman were created in the image and likeness of God, fully known and fully loved. And, as God said, it was good. It was very good. It was heaven on earth. Then we get to the second week, moving right along, and we get to the downturn, the fall, act two. And Adam and Eve, they were deceived by that horrible serpent. They believed him, and they believed that he was more trustworthy than their creator. And so, in disobedience, they decided to, to take on independence from God. And doing this, we know that they lost, and we lost. We lost heaven on earth, and they were banished from the garden. And the contagion that is sin and death it spread across the earth. Then last week, it was a good week. We had Act 3, redemption. And we asked the question, how do we get back? How do we get back to the garden? How do we break the curse of sin and death? And ever since the fall, we have all been born outside of the garden. But folks, we were designed for Eden. And there's a longing in our hearts to get back there a longing for what we once had. We are homesick for heaven. But God sent his son. But God, that was the phrase from last week, but God, he sent his son to redeem the human race. Now today, we've arrived to wrap up the biblical drama, and we look at the grand finale and unpack what happens when heaven and earth collide as God reunites them as a new creation in Act 4, Restoration. Let's bow our heads together as we pr and pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today we thank you. We thank you for the time that we have to spend in your word together. We ask that as we glimpse at what's to come, you help us in our understanding of your word, that our doubts and fears would be pushed aside, that we can focus hearts and minds today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. So we have arrived at Revelation, and of the 66 books of the Bible, Revelation is one of those books that when we read it, we get done and we think, what did I just read? Like, what... <laughs> then reading all these great letters, and then I get to this story that kind of feels like a mix of science fiction and fantasy. It doesn't, it, it, while it fits, it doesn't quite fit. And for those of us that have read the entire Bible, it feels kind of 
divergent. It feels a little different from the rest of the New Testament. And our focus today is on one of the last chapters, chapter 21. And if you have your Bible, we've got the paper ones in, in the pews, um, or if you're digital, you can pull it out. And we're going to be in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. That's kind of our main, main passage for today. But when we read this, John is writing his vision of what is to come, and, and it will be on the screen as well. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That's going to be our, our focus really for today is that phrase, I am making everything new. In verse 1, as we started this passage, in verse 1 we read that there is now a new heaven and a new earth and that the first heaven and earth is going to pass away. So let's think of those two places. We've got them up on the screen. Thank you, John. We have heaven and we have earth. And they are these two circles that when we think of them, we think of them as two separate places. But when God created the universe, they weren't separated. They were together in the Garden of Eden. They overlapped one another. Helps that it was pink and blue, makes purple. Uh, but they were overlapped. They were one. Everything, every animal, every plant, all good. No sickness, sadness, death, all good. Man and woman, as God said, very good. But the fall happened, and sin entered in to the hearts of men. And because of this, heaven and earth, they could no longer exist as one, and so they became separated. Man's fall affected all of creation. And Adam's decision cost us all dearly, and we feel it today even in 2022. We still feel that choice. But fortunately, God had a redemption plan. And it was a plan to save us from this separation. Through thousands of years of waiting, through covenants and waiting, and wars and waiting, that list goes on and on, and waiting, God's people in the waiting, they were homesick. They wanted to be reunited with God and be free of death and be free of this world. As I said before, they were homesick for heaven. And through this, we know, as we are at Christmas time, that God did send his son, Jesus. He sent him to earth, and he ended the first advent. And with his arrival, 
started a whole new process of redemption. Jesus lived among us, and he walked our earth, and he breathed our air. He lived a sinless life, and he took on our sin, and he paid the price with his life. He paid with his life on the cross. And through his sacrifice, we know that we are clean, that we were made clean. And then in his resurrection and ascension to heaven, he started a new season, a new season of waiting. This was for his second coming, the second advent. And the thing is, church, we are all now in the waiting for this new heaven and new earth to become one again. And when we think about our situation living here on earth, I can imagine that if I were to pull the room right now and ask everyone how we think things are going, I would divide the room very quickly on those that think things are good, those that think things are not so good, things that people that don't care. We would be a very divided room on how we think the world is going. I will say this past week, I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I think most of us opened our windows and we looked outside and we saw that wonderful white stuff on the ground, snow. And I would imagine for some of you, it was a groan of, oh, that means winter's really coming. In my house, dad, it's snow, it's snow, we're going to go play in the snow. My girls were so excited. Becca was excited going out to the car this morning, seeing snow on the ground. I know that if I were to ask how people feel about snow, it, we would divide the room quite a bit. But if we look out further, if we look beyond the snow, if we look past our yards, and we think of all that's going on, we can turn on the news, we can hop on social media, and we can see, just even in this year, we see war. We've seen injustices. We have seen sickness. We have seen loneliness. We have seen depression. And we have seen death. It's hard to be an optimist in a world that can just steer right towards pessimism. If we have an option, it's usually towards the negative. And none of us is desiring these things. No one gets on social media and says, oh boy, I can't wait to see what war just started. No one gets on to think that. We don't desire these things, war, sickness, death. We, we feel this unease. I say those words, and I know that in your minds, something comes to mind when you hear those words. And no one wants to be a pessimist. No kid grows up saying, I hope to be a pessimist, maybe. You know, that, that's not a job title or a thing that people grow into. And we don't want to have a poor, attitudes toward, poor attitude towards the world. When we look around, we don't want to just live in negativity. We want to be able to look at the world and maybe be proud, maybe be happy that things are going on. No one wants a poor attitude. On the flip of that, I know that we are, nor are we to live a life of bliss, blissful naivety. We're not going to just live in complete, the world is great and nothing is wrong. We, there's there's got to be a happy middle, right? Like a child loving the sight of new fallen snow and the excitement and the opportunities that it holds, we don't desire war. We desire peace. In C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, he wrote about an idea. In this, in this idea, it's how when a person desires something, that solution must exist in this world. If I am hungry, if I'm hungry, there should be food that exists. Now, the question of whether it's healthy or not, that's up for debate, but if I'm hungry, there should be 
food when I show up at home. If a duck wants to swim in the water, there's probably going to be water somewhere for that duck to swim. But what about when we desire something that, that, isn't, that this world can't satisfy? When we look inward, and that's usually where we start to see there's something more going on. When we look inward and we look at our souls, we see holes or areas of want. We have desires. And we want to feel whole. We don't like feeling like Swiss cheese. We want to feel complete. We want to be free of pain. We want to be free of, of, of sickness, whether it's physical or mental. We want to be free of those. We know people that are battling with it, and we know that at times we ourselves battle with those things in different ways. And when these things happen, we try to fill these needs, fill these desires. And on this earth, we have earthly pleasures that we can go towards. Maybe your, your thing to help cope is food. Maybe it is alcohol, etc. The list could go on on the things that we probably go to when we feel pain, when we feel an ache. And I can tell you, I've eaten enough McDonald's. There's never satisfaction. I get done with that double cheeseburger. I'm still hungry. That's, that does not satisfy. That satisfaction never truly comes. And this ache that we feel, it is something that we all feel at times. The ache we feel is homesickness. It's homesickness for the place that God designed for us. It's homesickness for us to feel God's presence and know him. It's, we want to be in heaven. We want to feel that. We want to get back to the garden. So Lewis, he, one of his quotes from this, this passage that he wrote in his book, Lewis gives us a charge on how to live in the waiting. And it's going to be up on the screen. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death, I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside, and I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. So my first point from that passage today is we must keep alive the desire for the other country to be with God. As we read back in Revelation we get a glimpse of what God is doing. He's taking everything that was, the old heaven, the old earth, and he's, he's taking it, and he's not chucking it out. He is hitting the reset button. It's that wonderful reset button when our technology doesn't work. It's, it's not getting rid of it. It's saying, I want you to go back to your true purpose. And he's resetting it as his new creation. The circles that we saw earlier of heaven and earth they're going to become one again, but they aren't going to be a garden. If we were to read on in Revelation, of rest of 21 and 22, we would get to see what it's really going to be. Our new home will be a beautiful city where we are to dwell with God. And there, there will be no death. There'll be no sickness, no tears. Sin is done. It is over. All the old will pass away, and in this, God will restore his creation into something new. And as he restores creation, we 
are restored as well. And we read this in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Church, God, as we know, God reconciled us through Christ, and we are made new. And because of that, we are called to live out the message of reconciliation. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are living that out. And our second point from Mr. Lewis is we must press on and help others to do the same. We must keep strong. And church, I, know, I say that very, not flippantly, to say, stay very strong. Be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.9, like, be strong and courageous. We've been working on that in our house. We need to be strong in our faith, in believing in God, and sharing it with others, and to go on further. And this is one that can be hard at times to do. It's to have heaven on our minds. And not just live in a morbid world where we think of death all the time, but new life, new creation. That's what heaven is about. Yes, death is, is entangled with it right now. But it's something that when we do get there, it is new. And because of that, because of this being made new, we are called, we are called to live this out. And we must keep strong and have heaven on our minds because we know that heaven is our true home. It is our place that we will go and dwell with God. And we are told to share this with others. And to finish out our passage in 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. While we are in the waiting, while we are here on this earth in the waiting, this second advent, church, we are Christ's representatives on this earth. Our job is to, to go, not just be church inside the building, but to be church to the world, to be out and sharing the good news, to share the gospel. And what a perfect time right now at Christmas to be sharing of that, that there is hope for the world. Because right now the world will look around and see the things I talked about. We'll see war, injustice, sickness. That's what, what everyone's focused on. But there's hope for those problems. And we know that because God sent his son. He sent him as the plan to save the world. And that someday his son is going to come back and we will be with him for all eternity. This earth is not our home. Pretty sure there's a wonderful old hymn that goes about like that. This earth is not my home. I'm just a passing through. It is not our home until Jesus comes and brings heaven with him and makes all things new. Now, I know Revelation, as I shared before, it's, it's a section of Scripture that is a challenge. And it's hard for anyone to process. And that's from the youngest believer to the oldest believer. 
I, if I, again, split the room, I could ask everyone what they think of end times. Like, what do you think, how, that, how is the world going to end? And we, we will get a myriad of opinions. And it's because countless books and articles and movies and television shows, so many things have been created and written about what does the end of the world look like. Basically, since the world started, people have been wondering, how's it going to end? That's, it's just like a book. You start a book, how's it going to end? The world has started, how's it going to end? And I know for myself that this, this, in studying all of this, there's been a lot of us that take on more of a world theology, or I dub it the Hollywood theology because I watch a lot of movies. But we, we probably most of our opinions would be more formed on what the world says and less about what God's word says. What, does this, what do the scriptures say? And at times, it does help us to have an understanding when someone writes a really good story that unpacks it based off of scripture. And it helps us to understand what is God's plan for us. And one such example I'm going to share with you all today as, as I close out is uh, one from the final book of the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm about to ruin the ending. Forget that part that I read in a little bit. But if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, it's a fantastic series written by C.S. Lewis. And the final book is called The Last Battle. And in it, it is the final battle. It is the end of the world for the people of Narnia. And Aslan, who is the Jesus character in the story, he's talking to one of the main characters, Lucy. And she's kind of the, us as the reader, she's kind of our person in the story to understand what all is going on. And she's an amazing character. And I, fortunately, four kids, we did not name one of them Lucy. Um, but I love how this, this way that this story ends, I want you to hear this. It, it unpacks a visual for us to think of what is God preparing for us? And so I'll, I'll read here at the end. So at this time, all the characters that we've read about in the story, they've all reappeared. It's much like us coming to the end of time. And Aslan is there with, with Lucy. And Aslan turned to them and said, you do, not, you do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be. And Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away, Aslan. And you haven't sent us back into our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? And their hearts leapt, and a wild hope rose within them. There was a railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you call it, in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover in the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Church, that is what God has in store for us. I, I, I love how Lewis writes out, I could not write the things. When we read Revelation, we read some crazy things. 
But what's amazing is, is in eternity with God, it's going to continue to be greater and greater and greater. Our human minds aren't, we have a fractional understanding of what it's going to be like to be with God in eternity. And so as we close out our time today, I implore you to have heaven on your mind. I know we all have those aches, especially as we come to the holiday season. There are, are aches and pains that we feel. We feel sadness. We feel disconnection. We feel loneliness. We feel the list goes on. But we can remember, as the kids said it so wonderfully, there is a hope. There is a hope, and that is in that beautiful baby that was born to die for our sins. And our job, as we go through life, is that we have heaven on our minds, and we share it with others, so that we can no longer be homesick. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this, this time that we're able to get a glimpse, get a glimpse of what you have in store for us someday. And Lord, we're sorry that we, we get hung up. We get hung up on the things in life that would desire to separate us from you, our sins that, that eat at us. That God, we can remember to be strong. Remember that putting our faith in you we will still have hard days, but those hard days are better when we have an anchor for our soul, and that's in you and your son, Jesus Christ, the hope bringer, the love bringer, the one who brings peace to this earth, and that we can have joy in this Christmas season, in this Advent season, in this waiting that we are at times feel we're stuck in, Lord. Help us to remember that even in the waiting, the sweetness that comes at the end is so great because it's with you. Lord, we thank you, we honor you, we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.